win the lottery season three internet season snow crash by neil stevenson i'm joey lewandowski i'm cyberpunk 69 we this is our first episode we're recording since we were featured in the for the love of literature section within <laughs> apple podcasts if you want to, if you like the show leave us a rating or review on apple Podcasts. it helps apple could do better in my opinion at at promoting us Sure. Oh, not that they could do better than us. This is one of our older, this, I don't know if it's the oldest one in the all season, but it's probably the oldest book we've covered this season. season. Is Neuromancer older? Neuromancer is older. But this is, for a thing about the internet, a season about the internet, this being 30 years old is old. Yeah. And this is a book that you did not love. Yeah. It's a, I, this book was this this book was your inclusion, correct? You wanted to include this book. I don't know. So I want. I don't. Neuromancer is my inclusion because I had wanted to read that and I had not read that, and I know that you're not necessarily looking forward to that as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, of a type. With, with this is with a, this book. This is a book that I had read before that you had not read. Yeah. Had you read any Neil Stevenson or no? Uh, I've read Cryptonomicon. Okay. Because I had a friend who was like just this internet friend I made. I don't remember even how we met. Video games? Probably on the internet. Probably on the internet. But he was very formative in terms of like liking, like he was kind of like an older brother in a sense, like here's some cool stuff you should check out. And he told me to read this and the Diamond Age. And I never read the Diamond Age. Yeah. Well, I understand. I, I when, when I was reading this book, I, I could understand your, the things that you like about it, because I know that, for example, The Matrix is a formative film for, yes. for, for you. That's, yes. You know, 1999, sort of coming of age, young Joey mm-hmm. watches The Matrix, uh, buys himself a leather duster, mm-hmm. starts wearing goggles, grows out some dreadlocks mm-hmm. like those cool albinos. And why do I feel like albino is a slur? <laughs> I don't know, because I feel like the way you said it feels like a slur. <laughs> Well, we were watching the X Files last night. There was that episode Neil uh, Neil McDonough's in that episode. I'm like, he kind of looks like an albino with blue eyes. I'm like, is that offensive? Maybe it is. Yeah. Um. So this, if if you read this book, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't really know what 1992. Like, I was I was nine years old in 1992. Uh, a lot of the stuff in the book I'm familiar with. Uh, but it's it like the fashion in this book is very well represented by a certain group of people that I went to high school with. Sure. Right. The, they, the people who they have, uh, they were goggles on the top of their heads. They have sort of colored dreadlocks. They, uh, really lit, like bands like ministry sisters of mercy, uh, prodigy. Wikipedia calls this a parody of cyberpunk, and I don't know that it's a that's parody. A, it's a parody. I don't. I don't find it to be a parody at all. But I don't. Again, maybe I'm not like as invested in. I, I think there there is parody elements of parody, like the main character's name is hero protagonist. Like there's, it's. I don't know. If it's parody, but it's, it's parodying something or trying to. Uh, yeah, well, that, I think I think you might be. We might be running into one of the problems that I had with the book. Well, yeah, <laughs> immediately so, that the 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 clarity of its message is not entirely, uh, you know, upfront. So it is sci-fi. I would say it's trying to be funny more than it's a parody. Of it something. is trying to be funny. I only use the word parody because I read the wiki this morning to see if there was more information about it. Because the other thing, the other reason I like this more than you, because I'm not. I'm not like I like sci-fi. It's not my favorite genre, but I like sci-fi a lot. But my day job 
I read about and I write about and I just am learning about the metaverse all the time. And this is the novel that coined the phrase metaverse. Mm -hmm. It's wildly prescient, given that it's 30 years old. And I have lots of things to to say and to discuss about the way that this informed technology or how technology, whatever. Yeah. But then there's things like the fact that YT is 15 years old. I'm like, what the oh, fuck yeah, yeah, are yeah. we no, doing? No, this is the, that, that was a consistent problem of mine like, throughout the novel. We'll for, talk about that more For later. everything that I love about this or think is amazing about mm. this or it's just like, holy shit, I can't believe this is 30 years old. There's another thing I'm just like, oh boy. Like if this was like, we, we should not read this novel anymore. It's like, yeah, I understand why. Yeah, I wouldn't go quite that far. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not going that far either, but I think if people had that opinion, it's not totally ill-founded. Yeah, I don't... I'm, do you want to talk about YT being 15, like, right out of the gate? We there's can, no reason for it to be 15. There's... It's no reason for it to be 15. And also, there is, like, a very specific thing that Neil Stevenson does over and over again where he talks about her butt. He talks about, like, how, mm-hmm. like, when she's in a room, like, all the male eyes turn toward her, like, yep. tight little 15-year-old butt. And it's, like, in some sense, that's defensible in that he's acknowledging the reality of what it's like to be a 15-year-old right. woman. But that's not what this girl. is about. And it also doesn't feel like that's... It, it, it doesn't feel like... Like, he's he's putting YT in these circumstances that are sexually dangerous. That's the idea. And you feel that danger. Maybe you feel that danger. But I'm wondering if I feel that danger because I'm 30 years removed from this novel and because I, like, am... My 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 brain has been sort of uh, recoded by ideas about feminism and things like that, right. as opposed to like Neil Stevenson at the time is like writing about this fifteen year old's butt. It's just like this is cool. This girl's so hot. Yeah, don't you want to fuck her? Yeah, but like I I, I fear for her not really because she's fifteen, a fifteen year old girl in a room full of men, because she is also described as like more capable than just about anybody else. Like she's always going to be in a position to defend herself, which she does throughout. But I'm more worried just because like this is a society that's like post rules and post laws, and like anybody, it just feels like you can kill anybody at any point, and just like it's fine. Like you know, well, what I, mean? I think so. I think that that comes as a result of this book being 1992, at the beginning of the uh, Clinton mm-hmm. era in the White House, where Clinton was took progressive ideals and like was sort of fundamentally a uh, fiscal conservative. Uh, that coming off the George H. W. Bush White House and and the Ronald Reagan White House, which is essentially like twelve years of of like moving closer and closer toward libertarianism, so you get this world that's built uh, entirely out of lawlessness and privatization, where the government really is hands off. So hands off that at the end of the book, when the president of the United States gets on the helicopter, nobody recognizes him and kind of laughs when he tries to assert any sort of power, um, which is like. For as much as people revere Ronald Reagan, for as much as Republicans reveal Ronald Reagan, his goal was to, like, create that kind of atmosphere where ultimately, like, government officials were, like, a Mm non-factor in in everyday life because they would let, like, the morality of the the public rule, essentially, which is – it's hard to tell if Neil Stevenson is criticizing that or not because, like, I think hacker mentality – tends to skew libertarian. Is that correct? I don't know enough about either of those things to really definitively say one way or the other, I don't think. Okay. Um, I will also say I think it's hard to know how he feels about this because this is 
Aside from Mount Chicago, which is not really in this season, mm-hmm. this is by far our longest novel yet. Yeah. I think there's a lot going on. I think he just sort of like it, it. I think with a lot of sci-fi stuff, where I ultimately land is that I'm very invested in the world that it's set up. And then as it broadens out, I'm like, this is just too much. And like the same thing with sci-fi TV shows and stuff, we're just like, this is too sprawling. And like this starts, I think this starts in a very concrete place that I love, like the very setting up the foundational thing of this world where there's like the real world, there's the metaverse and he's goggling in and he's doing all this different stuff or whatever. And then as it expands and as we focus on like six or seven seemingly like main characters or whatever, just like, oh, this is, is it's going out when it should be kind of coming in and it kind of does, but it's, I don't know what he's saying because I don't know if he knows what he's saying. He's just kind of like, it just keeps, right. it almost feels like he loses control of like his story at some point. Once, once we hit the part with um, Snow Crash in, in the Black Sun, Right. Mm-hmm. Once Snow Crashes is introduced. Which is a drug in the world. The novel should, in my opinion, I don't want to tell anybody how to write novels, streamline to be about that. But it, it doesn't do that. Well, I think that the, what's interesting, and I don't know that this is necessarily, I think because we're not societally here, because this takes place at some point in the indeterminate future, post fall of the government and privatization of everything and like yeah. all this different stuff whatever not terribly far in the future though because like uncle enzo is a vietnam veteran right uh there are world war ii i, I think hero's dad was in world war ii right so he's it, it's sometime in the next like 50-ish years probably if next if 50-ish then. years from now yeah. no these people are younger than we are because okay. because my dad is not old enough to fight in world war ii and my dad was an old dad my dad was born during World War II. So it's an alternate history. This is like 1995 that we're talking about. So, okay. So I think what's interesting about this in a way that feels like, I don't know if it's real or not, because we're living, you know, it might be dystopic. Like, it feels like it's way far off, but it's not necessarily because it feels like it's an alternate future, an alternate reality, whatever. But the I think the novel kind of gets either interesting or muddy, depending on how you how much you're enjoying it by having something that happens in the metaverse impact real life mm-hmm. uh, where this drug snow crash not only like causes like your computer to crash, but also like fucks up your brain. So snow crash, snow crash is a, vi- is a computer virus. Correct. And the computer virus um, translates to being a literal virus mm-hmm. uh, because of, linguistic ideas about the way that language whether innate or learned is imprinted on the brain which is unbelievable to me that this is yet another novel yeah. about language yeah and i was reading because i'm not really familiar with neil c I, I, I haven't read anything else i said that he was, i was told to read two i've only mm-hmm. read the one but apparently like all of his books to a certain extent are about language and about well, religion cri- and cryptonomicon about... certainly is because it's about it's about um uh you know, uh, codes. It's about like code, code breaking and yeah. Alan Turing and things like that. So that makes sense. So it's, it's just wild to me. And like, this is yet another, like we were talking about a couple books ago. I don't remember what it was, but about math as a language, right? And we're like, Oh, that's a new thing. And this is computer code as a language, which obviously, cause there's like, there's literal like scripting coding languages, Yeah. but it's not a thing that we have covered yet on the podcast, even in the internet season. So the fact that like, there's this thing, but then there's, it, it parallels and it ties into all these ancient languages Right, which uh, is um, quote unquote the f- the the flaw. The, I think it's the flaw of all the quote unquote great sci-fi novels, is that 
you inevitably burrow your way towards a section in the text where you end up with what is essentially a Socratic dialogue, where one character asks a question, and the other character, sometimes for hundreds of pages at a time, answers, essentially laying out every all the information that the reader needs to understand the concepts that uh, the writer wants to talk about. I would presume that if you're re- listening to this, you've read this, but if you haven't read this, it's basically, it's like the scene in The Matrix Reloaded where Neo finds the architect. Oh, you don't know this either. I know. God, you're such a you're such a not a nerd. It's unbelievable. You're such a cool guy. But there's a scene like people hate the Matrix Reloaded because Neo goes to this room and there's just like this old guy, like a stereotypical like godlike figure, an old man with a white beard, all in white, and he just explains what the Matrix is. He's the, he's the librarian. Yeah, in this, and it's like in 15 book. minutes. And, people, he's, and Neo's just like, what? Bullshit. And like it's just like and like, <laughs> but it's him explaining like you're not gonna be able to do this. He's like you know, watch me or whatever. Basically, you know, what I mean? it's one of those kind of things where it's just like. In a movie, it feels, if you're not into it, it feels kind of insufferable because it's like, where's the action? I thought this was an action movie. And here, it's like dozens of pages of a computer, like a librarian, a computer librarian, whatever, however you want to describe it, a daemon, um, describing the Bible and ancient languages and like being like, this is all going to pay off. Just keep this in mind. Well, it's not. Okay. So it's not only that it's not action. It's that because the dialogue is from a teacher to a learner and the learner is not really resisting or contributing there's also no none of the tension or dialectic that makes dialogue in novels essential which is dialogues are places to expand on character Mm -hmm. and to help um, everything grow this is purely informational we're looking at it as the the best way to get information directly from the author to the reader. Yes. Which is... Um, it feels like Dan Brown Da Vinci Code bullshit. Well, I, I think more... It, feel, it feels more to me like someone picked up an encyclopedia. Right. And just started, like, making... There, there's some connective tissue, and it's like, also... there It's also an overload of information that you're not going to understand. You're like... Enki, uh, me, uh, Am Sharab or whatever it's and called. Like, what what frustrates me because it 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 wanes my interest in this in a way that it shouldn't because like we've talked about on here before that like things that I I love things about religion. I we, mm. you obviously love things about language. Like when yeah. these are tapped into in a way, it like unlocks a thing that just like holy shit! Like this thing that like it's it's packaged in this like cool slick sci-fi exterior, whatever. But then. Like, oh, this is all about, like, religion and belief and, like, language and communication. Like, this is all great. But the way that it's presented, I'm like, I'm just – it feels like homework. It also it also really weirdly swerves away from uh, Kabbalistic numerology, which is, like, uh, the, the ways in which that, uh, um, like, Hebrew words are represented by numerals and those numerals add up to different sentences and things, which is, like, an insane language thing that is unbelievably complicated to the point where it's almost – Almost unbelievable that humans could put a language together like that. Is that mentioned here at all, or no? Uh, no, as, as 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 far as I know, it's okay. not. I so mean, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, sure unless if... unless I missed it, because, oh. which is totally possible because again, it's an information overload. Because I wasn't sure if you were saying that in a way that like it veers away, like it started and doesn't go down that path, or just no. never touches. It that. just it just doesn't go near it, which is weird considering all of the esoteric stuff that it does. Yeah, to, that it, that 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 it really really digs into because it feels like it's the kind of thing where. 
it's making connections that either might be real or might not be real. Like it might be the kind of like, it, it again, feels like a Dan Brown sort of thing where it's like, wouldn't this be crazy if this were true? And like, it's comparing the origin of language and like the stuff in the Bible, like the Tower of Babel yeah. and this alternate, like almost like alien thing of like, we used to have this like shared language and then it became this fractured language and all like, and it feels like, yeah, maybe that's possible. Like the same with the same with the Dan Brown stuff, like the yeah. Da Vinci Code is just like, what if there was a like a secret on the back of this or whatever? And like, what if there's this whole like secret society? And like, that might be true. It's probably not. It's probably just like fictionalized for like, you know, narrative intrigue. But it feels like, oh, that that actually, it does. It, it's plausible. It's not like believable. Well, but okay, but also in in addition, in this case, um, like I think I haven't read the Dan Brown books, but I think that those are presented Don't. in in like an investigative way where it's like. Uh, source of of discovery like he's moving through these and uncovering things about a conspiracy and that conspiracy he's working with the information that he has in this case hero is essentially asking a supercomputer and the supercomputer is going like here's the actual truth and the actual truth is that christianity comes from this and this and this and all of these things go back to this thing where language is essentially is uh like a functional uh the creation of the universe is it resolves around like the utterance of a word or whatever right well the dan brown stuff is like uh robert langdon the main character is like the smartest guy in the world like he's called in all these different things because he knows everything so a lot of those books from what i remember i've not read them in years and years and years i saw the movies again for the tom hanks podcast we did who boy well i'll I'll say i'll say he has a very stupid haircut for the smartest man in the world yeah you're not wrong (laughs) But a lot of those books, from what I remember, is just him explaining, like, art history to people. Like, oh, this is why this matters. So it's, like, it's not, like, the character asking someone for information. Just, like, yeah. here's information you right, need right, to right. understand this. Yeah, which is, um, you know, not good writing. No. It's not good. It's And, and, and that's, like, the problem. I think Neil, Neil Stevenson is what I will call a dumb, smart guy. What I like about The Librarian is... After there's like the pages and pages and pages of him just learning about all of like the baseline knowledge that Hero needs, I like his ability to reference, to call on the librarian to get a little bit of information in real time. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. Um, that's also not unlike the Matrix. That's not unlike a lot of different things. It's not unlike Clippy, right? It's like just having me Clippy. AI. It's like it's like hey A L E X A. Like what's the blah blah blah? And like she just answers right. The, well, okay, so I'll say the interesting part about the librarian for me is when Hero is making uh, inferences about things, and the librarian is like, "That's not how my brain works. I can't really, I can't, yeah. I can't really make those connections for you because those are emotional connections, and I, I, I don't understand what you're talking about." Which is right, which is good because he's a computer, right? Like, there's there's really smart stuff in here, which I which yeah frustrates me that like again, I don't know if it's personal taste because I also think my first note in reading this was reading sci-fi is weird. Because basically all I've read for the last couple of years <laughs> yeah, is yeah. what we've covered on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, like, we have not really done sci-fi. And so I still – I like sci-fi, I think, more than you on average, maybe. But sure. we just haven't been reading it. So, like, my brain wasn't, like, configured to, like, take this in. And it's like, oh, boy, okay. Like, this is a new kind of thing that we're reading. Well, I mean, because because my really solo job with this podcast is the curation of what we're reading. And then, yeah. like, is evidence – the the proof is in the pudding, right? That that I like sci-fi less than you because if you were in charge of this, there would be more science fiction books than there are. I guess I don't know. I mean, I also couldn't curate this in a way because I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I know like eight books. Yeah, and that's the list. Yeah, 
Intensity by Dean Koontz. Let's mm-hmm. hear the rest of them. Velocity by Dean Koontz. Velocity by Dean Koontz. Watchers by Dean Koontz. The, the one with the dog, where the dog's the protagonist, oh, the dog. where, where he does okay, puzzles. Also, <laughs> you're joking, but also, he does a very Dean Koontz thing in here. Where, I know. Where, what the? Ah, yeah, yeah. With this dog. With the dog and the rat thing, and the dog has to be the hero. Yeah, I don't, I can't even, like, get out of here with that nonsense. I was like, okay. And, and it's the dog that she saved when she was a child. Because <laughs> there's there's this thing in the universe called rat things, which are, like, robotic things that we find that are, like, torn apart dogs that were rescued and they're given a second life or whatever. They have, like, like, a nuclear reactor in their chest. And, like, she's like, but well, I had a dog and I lost a dog. And, like, what about the dog? And, and the guy's like, I think the dog is fine. And then literally the next chapter is from her dog's perspective within the body of a rat thing. And then at the end... We don't come back to that dog until the, <laughs> until the last, like, three pages of the book. And, uh, and it also, like, overrides its computer, which is like, I know that I'm written to, like, not make noise, but I don't care because this is so personal to me. And then, like... And the dog launches himself into the helicopter, the plane. What is it? Uh, I think it's a private jet that's flying away, and like that with L. Bob Rife on it or whatever, Which he just to explodes. Kill it. who is essentially L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, because this is about uh, like slavery. It's about kind of about Scientology, Scientology, and like yeah. slavery and enslavement, and like especially because it's on a boat. Do you want to try to do a quick? Uh, I, I I couldn't do it. Do you want to try and do a quick rundown of the plot from? from I read to... I read the wiki summary this morning after I finished the book. So I'm just like, let me just make sure, and I did follow it. Mm-hmm. But basically, there's two worlds: the real world reality which is dystopic but seems like there's rules that are it's whatever and then there's the metaverse which is a computer world and our main character hero protagonist is a coder he's also a samurai he's also a pizza delivery boy which he gets fired from very quickly but he's investigating this drug called snow crash that like we mentioned earlier, crashes one of his good friends, this guy who helped co-found, co-write, like a very early engineer, hacker, whatever, with Hero, this guy David, with a five instead of a V. That's how you know it's cool. I'm rolling my eyes real hard right now. They they co-wrote this club called The Black Sun. This guy named Raven comes here, gives him a, like this, basically what's an NFT, which I thought was very interesting. It's like this like card that's, you know, it's hyper cards, I think they call it. And it's the drug snow crash, and it crashes David's system, and in the real world, he, like, has, like, a seizure or whatever and just, like, goes to a hospital for the Okay, so this happens by David looking directly at the card, which has... uh, It's a bitmap of, like, too much information, basically. He's overloads the system. But because, specifically because he's a hacker, his brain has sort of internalized that language in a way that he can look at it and understand it. And even without necessarily reading it, he can just, like understand that it's meant to do this thing to his body or whatever yeah the way that when we read certain words it might do things to 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 sure. our, our own personal bodies our heart may our, our hearts might like start beating faster if we read a slur or something yep. like that and so david is you know hospitalized in the real world and not able to return to the metaverse because he's you know he's his system's crashed or whatever and so david not david hero along with his ex-girlfriend juanita are trying to figure out what happened um, that's all in the metaverse. Meanwhile, in the real world, there's like the mafia runs like a pizza business and it's corporatized and whatever. And that's why they use YT, which stands for yours truly. She's this 15 year old delivery girl. Her mom works for the government. And we find out eventually that the, this guy, L. Bob Reif, who is basically standing for L. Ron Hubbard, is like enslaving a population through this thing called me, M.E., 
this sounds so dumb. <laughs> and it's spoken. Keep going. It's because I'm nowhere near what this is about, really. And it's 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 spoken word that enslaves people and that can be undone with this the thing called the N and blah, blah, blah. But they're basically trying to enslave humanity to just, you know, gain power or also like just conscript, conscript people into their religion because there's like. Uh, uh, L. Bob Reif is not necessarily like the religious leader. That's probably Holy Wayne or whatever, but he's like this, you know, trillionaire or whatever who's affiliated. And so like there's this war between them trying to do everything, our main character's trying to stop them. Oh my God. The government's roped in. That's not what it's about, but it's also what it's about. They're mm-hmm. just trying to stop mm-hmm. this thing mm-hmm. that's like a snow crash. It's a snow crash is like they're, they're, there, it's the spoken word in reality enslaves people. The snow crash in the universe ha- like crashes them. There, it's a two-pronged attack to enslave people, both in reality and in the metaverse. And Raven has stolen a nuke. Yep. And he wants to nuke the United States. Yep. Because his father, who was... An Aluit. Aluit, which is a... a Alaskan in, indigenous person? Yeah, indigenous Alaskan person who... Uh, he was nuked twice. Once in Nagasaki, and then once in America in the 70s because the United States was experimenting with nukes on indigenous lands. On a test ground, yeah. And so he wants to avenge his... Father. Father. And he's like the top badass in the world, uh, aside from maybe the other top badass in the world, which is hero protagonist, who we know to be the the best swordsman. In the metaverse, but also pretty good in reality, too. You know what? What you know what really? You know what really pisses me off? What's that? Is that the climactic fight in this book is between Raven and Uncle Enzo? Hero protagonist completely disappears for the last twenty pages of the book. Well, no, he does a thing. He he protects. He, he saves the metaverse, right? From he saves, crash. He saves the metaverse, and then but but he essentially doesn't exist in the real world after that point, which is honestly fair. Because in the real world, he's not, he's nobody. He's a nobody, but he, okay, so, I, you, okay, that's interesting. Because he is just a pizza delivery boy, which in this world is, like, the most important job you could possibly have. So, well, I, I mean. It's one of the most, it, he he makes it seem like, or to him, it's life, it's literally Well, because it's, it's a symbol for the the mafia's honor, right? The yeah. mafia, which is at this point a, a, a privatized um, group that has franchise pizza place franchises which is another thing that we can talk about like i th- this book is obsessed with race in the in in the manner of an old man is this book so that's a question i had and i think i could see it either way is this book racist mm-hmm. which i think the answer is partially yes partially no or does it just feature racist characters yes well i i, I don't i don't i don't know if it's i i, I i'm not comfortable necessarily calling it racist but it I, I think its obsession with race is uninteresting to me because I'm not interested in there are all sorts of people out there who are and 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 most of them are I, I would say are older than I am you know I, I could never get through a dinner with my dad without him talking about which group of people hated which group of people and why right he, he was he was obsessed with with this very specific notion of ethnic feuding mm-hmm I think this book is really interested in that in a way that I'm just like not interested in it, it because I think it's like we're not we're not, I, I'm not saying that we're a post-racial society. We're very much not a post-racial society, but the concerns of of 
the obsessive concerns over uh, ethnic rivalry um, ignores what I think are the real concerns of the world, which are material conditions, uh, where like all I think all most of these blood feuds and things like that that exist between between people are actually class warfare, not necessarily. Um, you know, whatever. This is a really complicated but no, but they, but they idea. Ta- he taps into that, but like the first thing I'm just like, wait, that's weird. Is that like they describe like going to Compton, which is in the re- in our world, yeah. predominantly a lower income, but also a black area. Mm-hmm. And he describes in this as like the like hell on earth. Like you would never want to be caught that. Well, like, also, I'm like, why, why are you doing this, man? Because you have to remember that Compton is in 1992. Compton is a signifier, right? Of, Rodney King and of, all that. Yes, of bloods and crips, yes. and you have. Uh, and NWA and, you know, all of like Compton is a symbol, right? It's right. probably Compton because Compton is the only thing like that that he knows because that's what's culturally relevant. That's at what's the in moment, the news. Yeah. Which is another problem that I have with not only this book, but science fiction in general. Science fiction in general projects years and years into the future. But when when we're years and years into the future, it's still talking about the stuff that happened in the recent past of of the of the book, right? Like this is like, you know, Star Trek where they're like put on the Mozart and it's just like, how many years are you in the future? Like, or, or like they're doing Shakespeare and it's like, you're just doing that because that's like, like that, you, you don't have other artists in between now and, and, and then I don't remember the specific. So you read me a quote that you had texted egg. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, that, I, but, I, I but there's other it, yeah. things and I don't, I wish I made a note of them, but they're just like something about like, they reference like microwaves. I'm like, there's no indication that microwaves exist. Like, I don't remember that's exact, but it's like, why would that exist in this world where like hero protagonist shares a 10 foot by 20 foot, like his home is a 10 foot by 20 foot storage locker. Why does the concept of like microwaves still exist? Well, also, also with a guy named Vitaly Chernobyl, which is like specific to the concerns of 1992, right? right. That guy's named Chernobyl the same way that like, I don't know if I were a punk artist in 2003 i would be like uh bobby world trade center or something like that you know it's like that's these are like the concerns of a specific era which you can't blame him for but it's also like it's also like why is your book set in the future then well you could also like mask it better so that like it's exactly yeah yeah so that you could make it like whatever so he says he says um a viral idea can be stamped out as happened with nazism bell bottoms and bart simpson t-shirts and it's just like oh for three buddy yep oh for well, three one for three maybe bell bottoms kind of but like nazism alive and well baby mm-hmm. uh bart simpson t-shirts everywhere yeah everywhere it's it's just it's wild um i'll say i think that the best writing in this book takes there are three sections where the writing is the best okay in chronological order uh, the scene wherein YT gets, uh, they try to arrest her at the federal office building. Awesome. That's a great scene. That's a great scene. Uh, the second one is the scene where Fisheye, Elliot, and Hero are on the boat trying to enter the raft. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's like a big gunfight out of that. Where Hero's like running around like knocking like harpoons and stuff off mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm, grappling mm-hmm. hooks yep mm-hmm. and then the third one is uh the motorcycle chase between hero and raven and where they're going something like fifty thousand miles an hour and 
it's it's funny because like these three scenes are completely bereft of ideology and they're completely bereft of any of the they're just action any of the other stuff and it's like he's just doing action and because it's a payoff of i know earlier i said i think there are two major problems with the writing in this book and the writing in a lot of quote-unquote great sci-fi novels um and they are one that they rely too heavily on Socratic dialogue that does nothing to increase character or tension and just is an info dump, uh, essentially doing the creative writing class no-no of telling instead of showing. And then the other thing, which is also telling instead of showing, is like, it'll just be like, Dwayne walked into the office wearing his Magno belt. A Magno belt is a belt that has issues of magnetic field. So that's, so that's what's interesting to me is that there's so much in this that I think it's hard to know today, but there's so much that Neil Stevenson is describing technologically mm-hmm. that he's catering to both people who like, just hearing the word Magna Belt, you like understand, but there's also things that he explains because he's like, people are straight up not gonna know what this computer term is. Yeah. And there's a lot of this where it's like understandable why he's describing a thing, and other times are just like, you don't need to do that. And I think it's a very delicate balancing act where sometimes it feels like it's the same thing where I'm like, I understand why he's doing this, and other times I'm like, you don't need to – like, there's no real distinction in well, my brain. So, so let me – just just returning to those three scenes that yeah. I think are good, the reason why I think those three scenes are good is because it's taking um, the telling portion of that mm-hmm. and showing. Yeah. So in those scenes, we're seeing the things – so instead of being like, Dwayne walked into the room, he was wearing a Magna Belt, the Magna Belt is a blah, 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 it's more like – Dwayne pushed this button on his magnet belt and all, and this shit happened to right. the room, which is like, then it's like, oh, okay. Like I know through the action that happens, what that thing that you're describing is instead of you like going on and on about all of this stuff. Well, cause like, you know, we always talk about adapting this for a movie and like, the, so there, there's a history, I can run through the quick history, but there's a history of trying to adapt this. And even back in like the nineties, like, this is not going to be a movie. It's too, it's too dense for a movie. Like it, it needs to be like a mini series or something, which makes more sense. But that's the whole, like, show, don't tell. Like, I don't know how you do a thing. Like, if they adapted this, you could not have 20 minutes of an episode be the librarian explaining things. Well, it's also, it's also if you adapted this into a movie now, you have the problem of, it's like a Madame Bovary or Jane Austen problem, right? Where it's like, okay, so you adapt, you adapt a Jane Austen novel now and everybody rolls their eyes because they've seen all that shit a million right. times. And it's like... Okay, but like you've only seen that shit a million times because this thing did it in 1992, and right. then and people have been cherry picking from it for forever. Right, and so now like if if this movie came to came to a screen, people would be like, oh, it stole that thing from the Matrix, and it's like not like the Matrix totally bit this thing style like entirely. Like nothing's really ever brand new. Like this, this right. but what's crazy about this is that it feels new in a way because like it's literally coining the metaverse. There's a long list on the wiki of like things that influence like his use of the word avatar. Like it had already been exist like it existed oh, in like Sanskrit or whatever, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like him using here, people just like, that's what we're gonna call it now. Mm-hmm. Like and that's what fascinated me in terms of like the what I do for a living. I don't like put air quotes around that. It's what I get paid for. But like I I'm very curious as we enter this world where like the metaverse is becoming a thing, like there are metaverses or have been metaverses for a while. Things like Second Life are explicitly copying this. Like, they're yeah. just like, like the people who've made Second Life are admitted, we want to make this in real life or in not in real life, but you know, on a computer, or whatever. But how much of what 
exists today exists because it's how he described it and how much of what he described was just like an inevitability of like what this is going to be like. Well, I, I, I also I think an interesting thing here is that we might also be giving Neil Stevenson too much credit because Neil Stevenson mainstreamed these ideas with a novel when I guarantee what happened was Neil Stevenson had a bunch of like computer and hacker friends and these are their conversations right yeah. that he happened to put in a novel but I think it's probably true of anybody like it's absolutely true of everything every yeah. like yeah, breakthrough yeah. thing it's mm-hmm. not like any mm-hmm. of that is like fully like the matrix was pop like but dark city came out a year before and like it's very similar to the matrix and yeah, like I prefer dark city and people of course you do <laughs> But it's just like, it's like, <laughs> he got me. <laughs> it's like the Matrix. I am wounded. But just like things like that. Like the Matrix is like, oh my God, this changed everything. It's like, well, not it didn't. It just popularized the thing that, a, like a, a sea change that had been happening that started maybe with this or even before this or whatever. Yeah, because the, rea- the reality is that when you come up with, when you're the first person with ideas like this, people are just like, get out of here. Right. Nobody cares. But like, it's the same thing. It's just like, I... I can't imagine a world like how does how does samurais and like computer hackers come together and like oh now everybody like everybody because it's, it's just and what's also interesting is that like were those already coalescing in nerd culture or did nerd culture adapt a love of Japan Japan yeah. and anime and computers mm-hmm. and coding and sci-fi and cyberpunk mm-hmm. and whatever because they all love this yeah because this is speaking <laughs> right, to like right, right. because they're like oh my god i love computers i want to read snow crash like oh shit samurai swords are really cool and then like, it all just coalesces which is essentially now i mean now this would be a parody of that like boys love samurai swords stuff right but we're not supposed to look at hero protagonist and roll our eyes at him he's supposed to be cool at least i think that he's i read him as that he was supposed to be cool but if if this thing is saying that it's a parody then like I didn't. I didn't catch that so at all. So the top, you know how like on Goodreads there's question and answers. The top question is, is, and I don't know how it's sorted. If it's just most recent or, it's probably not most recent. Maybe it's upvoted or whatever. But the first, the, the first question on there is, main character named hero protagonist really, and then the answer is just like it's supposed to be comedy. If you're not, well, if you're not also, seeing that or whatever, like it's it's comedy, but it's also it's also you know this platonic idea of title dictating behavior. Yeah. Right. So he's named hero protagonist. And so thus he acts as the hero and the protagonist, whereas perhaps yours truly is meant to be like the um, the audience character. Right. We're supposed to be yours truly. She's the most likable and and uh, she's the person that we're rooting for throughout the text. She's the person that we worry about. And she's, she's the only one with like something something to lose that we care about. And she's also she... the only one really with a personality and a great butt. Oh, God. But like. Nobody, like, everybody else in this world either exists solely in the metaverse or is, like, a loner loser to some extent in reality. Mm-hmm. But she's got a mom. Like, she has stakes and she has, like, part, like, the the emotional beat of this is not just is she safe, but, like, the government is being targeted or it's being manipulated or it's being used and her mom is in the way and we, we worry for her. Right, all the stakes are hers. Right. Right, hero we don't worry about really at all. Which is kind of frustrating why, like... So, like, if she was more, I mean, she's the focus of this or whatever, but like, I wish she was more centrally focused on, because she feels very much like the second character, the second lead. Yeah, she's the second person to be introduced. Um, I wish she didn't have that sex scene with Raven. It's terrible. It is terrible. It's it's like, like, reading that, I was just like, this is unnecessary. Um, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't pay off at all. There's the Chekhov's gun where it's the Chekhov's dentata. But, like, you don't need that at all. You don't. 
Like the Dentata in this in this universe, he's not even mad at her. You you th- you think that it's going to result in him being? Well, you think because she explicitly says he's going to be mad at me. Yeah, you think he's going to be murderous, and and like the rest, you you think that the rest of the novel is going to be him pursuing her to kill her because she has stabbed him in the penis with a needle, and and knocked him out for four hours. And knocked him out for four hours, which is not what I thought the Dentata because the term Dentata is teeth is teeth, and I thought it was going to be this thing called Rapex, which is a like the real life version of that that well there's the horror you know the horror movie teeth yeah where directed by roy lichtenstein's son really yep where it's just like a a woman has her vagina is lined with teeth Mm -hmm. and it's you know metaphor well it's like a very like freudian fear right this idea of the of the yonic consuming and and for sure severing the foul castration anxiety etc etc so yeah but he just like Thanks for the fuck. And then, like, that's... And then, like, he, he would... Like, gives would, her a thumbs up. And then it ends with him giving her a thumbs up and, and her giving him, him the finger. Which is, like, we're supposed to be like, yeah, you go, girl. It's also weird. Like, she's got a boyfriend. She's got, like, whatever. And, like, he just kind of gets... Like, he just sort of seems like a loser. It also feels like, for a while, the novel's kind of setting up her and Hero to get together. But Hero's got Juanita. And then she gets... Raped. And she's like, what is... I wish... I agree. And I feel like... I agree with your thing. Like, I, I wish she wasn't so sexualized. Or just make her 18. Or twenty five. Doesn't like her, she doesn't have to be any age at all. No, but if she you want, if you if you want to have that sort of perverted, like you know, not sullied, still like this young, like you could make her eighteen, and like it still could be like predatory and kind of weird and creepy, but not illegal. Yeah, sure. You know, um, I have a I have a read on this that I did. I haven't been able to quite work out in my brain, and I don't think that it's Neil Stevenson's intention. But I have a read on this as an AIDS narrative. The whole thing. The whole thing. Um, and I haven't quite worked it out yet. Obviously, it's 1992, so so it's an AIDS culture For sure. at that point, right? Yep. It's like it is, this is this is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but also this idea of AIDS as an ideological disease or a disease that is uh, aided and abetted by the rhetoric that surrounds it concerning who gets the disease and and how you know media can sort of use that kind of linguistic code to affect uh, uh, through through its rhetoric to affect the public's reaction to it and uh, as a result ends with untold thousands dying um, through the the very like libertarian ideologies that are presented in this text whether it's critical of those or not i can't really say but i haven't i haven't put the i couldn't really put it all together but it it felt important to to like it felt like there it felt like there was a connection there to me well i think the fact that it's about a virus right like it's about a how do I say this? Because I don't exactly know how I want to say it, and I also don't want to come off sounding ignorant or racist. Well, all but I feel like because like Snow Crash is, I think, portrayed as I guess maybe most drugs are in most narratives, but like as like a thing that these poor people do. Like it's like you have to go to like the weird like corner, like, sort of ghetto corner or whatever, and like you have to like do the drug there, and like it feels like I don't know. Well, no, it's it's it, it's a thing that happens to a certain type of person, right? Right, and and like in this in this book, it's hackers but like i think i think more importantly like all pandemics are ideological pandemics as well as being like biological pandemics yeah i mean we've seen that you know with covid there's 
there's like both the viral, the literal viralness of it, but the the linguistic and ideological viralness of it is something that I think this book is really, like, really putting forth this this idea about you know. Well, I think that goes back to what you were saying much earlier about how this is more about class than race, mm-hmm. even though they're kind mm-hmm. of intertwined yeah, sure, in a sure, way sure. or whatever, yeah. right? But yeah, yeah. Oh, but all it also comes back to all problems being problems of language. Mm-hmm. There was to to sort of change the subject, but going back to the things that we liked about theirs, there was another part that I really liked. And I think because if it, 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 the humor came across for me, it worked for me in a way that like it didn't else elsewhere. But when they're describing the bureaucracy of working for the government and the mom, all the hurdles that the mom has to do, like how you have to take the stairs up. Cause if you take the elevator, people will think you're lazy and yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Sure. And then like the toilet paper memo, that email I thought was very funny. What was that? Can... There was like this email about how like toilet paper is like poorly packaged and poorly designed. Cause sometimes you need more, sometimes you need less and like all this different. There's like this memo. It doesn't really matter what it's about, but it's a very long email. Oh the, yeah. You have to take 15 minutes to, to 15.62 minutes. And, and about how, if you read it too quickly, if you read it too long, like the, the the bureaucracy again of that of like well if you're a younger employee you should take a little bit longer to show that you actually care but if you're an older employee you want to go read a little bit and like and she self-consciously scrolls back because they can witness you scrolling back to reread yep. because they think that rereading is good and that will always add it'll show up in your file like i thought that was very funny yeah because it's like oh yeah people actually care like there was in the last year as we've all you know, as much of the business world went to online-only meetings, Microsoft rolled out in Teams, which is their version of Zoom, eye tracking. So they could track the percent of time someone was looking at their screen as opposed to percent of time that people are looking elsewhere. Yeah. And it was all this manipulative, like, in a, in a very consumer-forward-facing package, they were making it like, look how easy this is spying your employees. Uh-huh, sure. And they were proud of it. And it's mm-hmm. like that, and like, this is, you know... I wouldn't say our, our society is dystopic in a different way, but like compared to the novel, wildly dystopic, this is just like, this is just light or whatever. Like it's <laughs> the slow decline or whatever. This is like, oh my God, can you imagine? It's like, it's already happening. Yeah. So. Anything about a character named Tranny? I, yeah, I, well, you know, Tran is a, is a, is a fairly prolific worldwide name. The Vietnamese last name. Yeah. Usually, right? And, yeah. and, and I don't think, I think like either, I, I don't know if that's something that's intentional or not, but I think Tranny is something that people have names like that. I grew up with someone whose mom's name was Gay, for example. Sure. So and that stuff just happens. Well, my mom's best friend's name is Gay. She's like, okay. Yeah. You got things to say about Sushi K's rap? My name's Sushi K, and I'm here to say I, I'm yeah, here to I, rap in I, I a brand like, new way. I was like, is this supposed to be terrible? I couldn't tell. Meg assured me that it was supposed to be terrible. I'm not 100% sure. I think Neil Stevenson might just be a guy that is is like an uh, old person about rap. I think I think he is not, you know, which also informs his opinions about Compton, right? For example, like I think I think it's just something that's culturally inaccessible to him. He thinks that it's absurd, and so he presents it as something that's absurd, right? We don't have examples of good rapping in the book. No. Um, Although I think another thing that he gets right is the idea of concerts in the metaverse being this like. Although I think that's in reality. I think that happens in the real world that sushi k concert i believe yeah, yeah, yeah but at the end where there's the you know the they're going to try to get you know uh the world whatever to uh, the, the the metaverse to be crashed by snow crash is at a concert in the metaverse 
And like in in our reality, Lil Nas X had a concert in Fortnite that had either like 18 or 30 million people attend. So the idea of like having a virtual version of a thing where like basically an insane amount of people are there, he gets in this. You know, um, he, 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 I, he, I a, he delivers or whatever. I had a very close friend who uh, passed away. His name was Randy Mills. And he this, he passed away in, I think, 2015, maybe 2014. Um, he was the CEO of a company called V-Ration. Okay. And what they did was they allowed people to put on virtual reality goggles and experience photorealistic uh, concert festivals. Okay. So you could put on these goggles and go to Coachella and walk around the grounds and like I remember reading about this and so navigate these yeah. things and go and you could go up and watch a concert like yep. as though you're there but wearing these virtual reality goggles and that was his entire thing and they were making a lot of headway and then he, and then he died um but like yeah that's that's a real thing that I I, I yeah. don't I don't know if they've gotten it right yet or if that's not I mean it sounds like the little Nas X thing well, like sounds it, like, like there's and there's something but, there's concerts in Roblox like the thing is like the there's this idea of the metaverse that I feel like people have heard about because Facebook rebranding itself to Meta mm-hmm. and there's the VR goggles and everything and I'm not gonna go too into here because I don't think people actually people care but I don't think people want to hear about it here but there's this idea of like this one metaverse like a Ready Player One or Snow Crash where everyone is tapped into the real the same place where it's like the real world for any number of reasons is so bad that we want to escape into this shared collective experience where you can be, it's kind of Westworldy and like you can be whatever you want here. Yeah. That you can be into samurai swords, but here you can be like a badass hacker who's into samurai swords and you can be the greatest in the world or whatever. You can ride a motorcycle at 50,000 miles an hour. The reality in our world is that there have been metaverses that have existed for years. Like Second Life is a metaverse. Roblox is a metaverse. Fortnite is a metaverse. They just don't overlap. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like concerts or whatever, like there, there's all sorts of metaverses. It's just like whether we're going to get to a point where it's like Ready Player One or this, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't see how that could happen. Um, so get things right, get things wrong. It's it's just, I think it's technologically and like archaeologically fascinating. Yeah. I can't imagine how crazy this would have been been to read in 1992. Yeah. Where, um, like, all of this yeah. doesn't feel like common knowledge. Mm-hmm. For sure. It may have been even more... Uh, well, I guess it was a very popular book, so maybe not. Maybe. But, like, I found a lot of it inaccessible, which might just be because of my interests. Even though my interests are linguistic and religious, so I don't know. On the wiki, that's that's why I feel like I, was, I wasn't surprised that you didn't like it based on your, your Goodreads rating or whatever. But I was like, it feels like it's scratching the types of itches that you look for. And even if it's not packaged in a thing that you would generally tend to gravitate toward, yeah. it's almost like it's like a, a drug of like, hey, you want to try some sci-fi? Well, here's some language stuff. Like <laughs> first, it's free, man. And they're like, holy shit! This I mean, is... I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I know, I, I'm, I'm not a sci-fi ignoramus. I've, I've read, no, the, no, no. I've read the Heinlein. I've read the Philip K. Dick. I've read uh, William Gibson. I'm and this is like often, I think, ranked in like the hundred best whatever, like American novels, novels of the 20th century, well, that's blah, insane. blah, blah. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, people have their own tastes and stuff like that. And I'm certainly not a grand arbiter of what's quality and what's not, but I, I could, if I made a list of a thousand American novels, this wouldn't come close to cracking it. It's probably, I don't know if it's maybe best, but I think it's definitely one of the more influential things that we've read for the podcast. In terms oh, yeah, of what sure. we've read, 
having real world payoffs. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, like we've read things that have dictated and led to other like books that we've read or whatever, but in terms of like actually physically creating or guiding or whatever, yeah, this is a big deal. I guess so. I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> well, you know, it, it it is it is or it's not. I don't. Again, I, I'm not pretending to to. There's aspects of it that I don't remotely understand, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know, I would never discourage anyone from reading it. No, and I think it's the kind of thing where, due to its length, you're either going to know. Like, you're going to know in the first couple of pages whether this is for you or not. Like, when it's like, my name is Hero Protagonist, but not, it's not first person. But I you use know. a samurai sword. It's just like, I'm good. Yeah. Um, it, 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 do you think the samurai sword stuff, do you, do you think this is something that is meant to be parody and then people didn't read it as parody and so, like, mimicked it and then and then samurai, and then now we have, like, a, a... I don't think there's anybody to know. Right. I think that's the kind of thing where it's interesting. It's like, again, going back, like, do nerds like this because he made this in this thing or is this in this thing because nerds already liked it and I'm just like not I'm, you it's know a, it's a chicken and egg circumstance right originally he wanted this to be a computer generated graphic novel not as like a novel novel but like a computer like a thing only with a computer I guess which would have put it more in line with the, the boys thing that we read but he realizes quote it became clear that the only way to make the Mac do the things we needed was to write a lot of custom imaging processing software I probably spent more hours coding during the production of this work than I actually did writing it, even though it eventually turned away from being the original graphic concept. That's interesting. It would make sense as like a, a thing you could only read on the computer, yeah. right? Like when we talked to Darcy, she's like, I didn't want to read, I didn't want you to read it on the screen. I wanted you to have to actually hold in your hands. Mm-hmm. This kind of feels like, no, you only, you can only read this on the computer. Yeah. Right. Although I don't know, because a lot of the stuff that he's talking about with regards to, you know, language and ancient texts and things like that, those are not computer you know, it's 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 sort of like the molding of this. Uh, the overall idea is that language is language, right? Mm-hmm. And and you don't wh- whether the the medium for the language is a is a tablet that's been chiseled into, or whether it's binary right. uh, creating, you know, whatever. So this was originally optioned shortly after it came out, optioned to become a movie, uh, but apparently it never. And like it's it's one of those things that like keeps like coming back up, but it never gets past pre production. Uh, then about a decade like ago, you something you told me that Joe Corners, who directed At- Attack the Block, so like right after Attack the Block comes out and people love that movie starring John Boyega, he's attached as a director or as a writer and a director or something with Paramount. Paramount's like, we're going to make this. This is our guy. And then five years after that, I guess nothing really happens. Amazon is like, we're going to make a series about this and Corners is going to be a producer. So like that's not really happening, but he's still involved, whatever. Then... Two years after that, HBO Max gets the rights. So I'm like, we're going to make a series. And then they're like, mm, never mind. And so it went back to Paramount. So, like, it just feels like this is the kind of thing where people are trying to make it work. I'm surprised, like, it hasn't been done poorly. Yeah. But it seems like at some point, maybe. I don't know. But it's one of those things, again, I think it's been done in so many different mediums. Not mediums. It's been it, it, so many different things have ripped it off that if if you watched it, you would think, this is an unoriginal, like, collage of, of other stuff that I've seen. But it's like, the stuff that you've seen is actually a collage of this. Right. And Neuromancer. Um, the other, the, I just want to run through quickly the things that, like, this basically influenced or helped guide or shape. But the word Avatar, Wikimedia, 
and Wikipedia in general, kind of like a combination, like the CIC, which is a combination of the CIA and like the Library of Congress, kind of informs like that, you know, widespread data repository. Google Earth was basically kind of modeled after this to some extent. Um, the guy who made the video game Quake basically was inspired <laughs> by this to make Quake. Okay. Active Worlds and Second Life created, like, specifically sought out to make a metaverse like this one. Um, and the guy who made Xbox Live was like, this is the future. We need to make sure people are online all the time and whatever. So mm-hmm. it's influence its impact is crazy it's just but it's also like of course guys who write code for a living are going to read a thing like this yeah because they're it's for them and they influenced it and correct is it as influential as giles goat boy that's my question has does it have as much real world impact as something like giles goat boy i'm gonna say yes all right Agree to disagree. We have an email address, lottery at cageclub.com. If you want to write in about this or any book, we will read on the next episode. A couple emails today, Bob. First up from our girl, Egg. Meg's reaction to Snow Crash. I wasn't really a big fan of the book. As much as I like sci-fi in general, I don't really like sci-fi books for the most part. And this is no exception. I will say that I like sci-fi movies better than any other. Because it's spectacle. I mean, the... the... I've said this. I've said this like many times. I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but like I am a big comic book guy, and the reason why I'm a comic book guy, the original reason why I'm a comic book guy, is because Marvel Comics in the '80s and '90s were giving me the scope of science fiction that I couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, these big cosmic stories that were spectacle, they're visual, they're like, and they didn't look cheesy the way that like. Uh, movies and whatever look cheesy so um, i'm the same way i love science fiction i just like uh, novels i don't think are the ideal way to implement them and i just think with tv shows like i was saying before like it just when it gets too big i just like and not big in terms of like like spectacle size but just in terms of like length oh, this, and is, whatever. this is the x-files conundrum it's yeah it just becomes overwhelming you're in the ninth season you're just like what the fuck is even going on i couldn't i could not remotely explain to anyone what the plot of the x-files is once we get past like the fourth or fifth season and i don't think that you know chris carter could either yeah there were way too many parts that felt like wikipedia info dumps however i did find it interesting at how much of the coding stuff still seemed true to life yep based on conversations i've had with zach spoilers for upcoming things maybe I won't say too much about that since I expect Zach will have included that in his email. I don't know. Maybe. I <laughs> Who knows? Yet. It's a mystery. I also won't say anything more. Tune in later. Like in like two and a half minutes, maybe. I also won't say anything more about transportation in the book aside from the fact she is a girl who loves trains. Yeah, well, I think, well. He, he's also, he, I know he writes I think, about I, that too. I, yes. I, think, I think Zach is a boy who loves trains. That's, that's the one thing that I read about his in his email. He Sukuru style. Trains. Uh. Aside from the fact that it's interesting that the dystopian reality had all cars and roads and the utopian metaverse used public transportation for the same reason. Yeah, it is interesting. One of the things that stuck out to me was realizing that Zuckerberg missed the point and role of the metaverse when rebranding his company as Meta. Egg coming for Zuck. Let's see what she says. For one, there's a line from Juanita saying the metaverse is, quote, distorting how people talk to each other which is also a current criticism of social media in general. I think it's just tech tech in general. For sure. I think that's just yeah. not social media. It's a good catch, though, because it's not something that I wrote down. It didn't feel like Stevenson was saying that the metaverse was something that was necessarily positive, more than just something that appeared as a result from the, sto- from the dystopian present. It wasn't something that should be strived for. 
Yeah, but right. It's yeah. Okay, so it's 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 a reaction. It's like this sort of thing is always a reaction to the world that we're that we're currently living in. But maybe the criticism is that instead of trying to make the world better, mm-hmm. they sort of retract into this digital universe because they're not willing to do the hard work to make the world better. I think some one thing that my boss says a lot is that technology is neither good nor bad. It's how you use it. And I think that if yeah, I disagree. But go ahead. Well, I, I think you're you're disagreeing because like technology, some technology is used exclusively in uh, bad ways. Yeah, like social media as a way to like democratize journalism is great. People using Twitter as a, a tar- platform to target and attack other people, not great. You know, whatever. Well, I mean, it, it also depends on where you like technology. Like I've, we've talked about this before, language as a technology is for sure a thing. Uh, and and you know, obviously the wheel is an important technology but also tech is like the the creation of tech to solve the problems that tech has caused have only exacerbated sure. all of the problems it's that it's that quote from i don't know if it was oppenheimer but like someone someone uh that had to do with the creation of the of the atomic bomb says it's very clear that the whole world is going to hell and the only way to stop the world from going to hell is to stop trying to stop the world from going to hell because we keep on building bigger and bigger bombs in order to scare people off from using the bombs that were smaller than the big bombs that we're building yeah and it just gets scarier and scarier but also i think that also factors in with into things like climate change and stuff like that because you start like you know we have air conditioners and air conditioners cool the room but they contribute to the overall problem of heating the world right so uh you know we'd all be better off if everyone just stopped fucking using air conditioning i mean really old people would not be better off they would probably die take it pretty hard it's but like that's my you know for sure yeah it's complicated but Egg goes on, something I want to spend a bit of time on is the really horrible sex scene between YT and Raven. It was too erotic to be written about a 15-year-old. When the scene first ended and it was revealed that YT's dentata jabbed Raven in the dick, I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I thought that maybe it was some kind of commentary on consent. It, I don't think it is, because she's very into it. Uh, I could, uh, I mean, it could be a, con- there is an, an a, a, like, it might play into my reading of it as an AIDS novel. Go ahead. And how YT as a minor couldn't really give consent yeah, in a yeah, meaningful okay. way so, to someone like Raven, who I assume is a full-grown man. That counters the thing that you just said about how her being into it. And so the Dentata saved her from a predator, something that YT would realize in the future. But then later on, YT sees Raven and it says something along the lines of him loving her. So I was wrong. The scene was just as gross as it was at first glance. I will say I did laugh when I realized the Dentata got Raven. I remember, like, I, I knew that was going to come because, like, yeah. it sets it up and something. I probably forgot a lot of this as I was reading it, but, like, as soon as she has that, like, full body, like, what she describes as, like, a full body orgasm that even he doesn't, I'm like, oh, I know what happened. I also feel like uh, there's a suspension of disbelief that she would forget that she had that inside of her. Well, she's so wrapped up with But she's passionate. she's mentioned it many times yes, throughout the text correct. that she's got it. And also, the entire text is not just that, but it's all of the self-defense that she has on her. Mm-hmm. It's the mace spray that she has, and it's the this, and it's the that, and it's like the thing that explodes the glass. And like all of her life is defending herself against creepy older men. It does feel unbelievable that she would forget that, like, what's that one thing I need to do before I have sex? Oh, right, take out the thing that's going to, like, nuke the guy's dick. Yeah, it would be funnier if she nuked his dick instead of it do- essentially doing no harm to him, except for knocking him out for... I thought it was going to cut it off, but it just knocks him out for four hours. Yeah, would have been better if it cut it off, because then it would be a thing about masculinity, and then he's still like trying to be a top badass while 
Anyway, I will, I will say if you want a story about dicks getting cut off, read Amelia Gray's collection of short stories, Gut Shot. There's a great dick cut off story in there. The more I think about it, I think Amelia Gray is my favorite writer. She's great. It's what her. She's just insane. Like she's I thought, great. I thought it was like I loved my year of rest and relaxation so much. I thought it might be Otessa Moshfag. But I'm just like Amelia Gray. I haven't read everything. Just read the two things, threats and her collection of short stories. I'm like, it's insane. It's, I just love it. Isadora is much different, but we'll get to it eventually. And I have I have Lavona from the library. I've not read it yet though. Yeah, it feels important. Egg says to draw attention to the way Hero and YT's attraction to their, for lack of a better term, significant others is portrayed. YT's attraction to Raven is almost entirely sexual. A lot of care is taken to show that YT feels physically drawn to Raven in a way she doesn't feel toward any other male in the novel, even though it's made explicit that she's sexually active. The descriptions of her horniness felt so creepy because she's 15. Hero, on the other hand, seems to be completely drawn to Juanita's mind, which is almost ironic considering she's one of the flattest characters to exist in the novel. We're told she's a great coder and yeah, she's, she's like so what? smart. She's like, what, an A cup? Keep going. <laughs> Keep reading, folks. But it's done in a way where we're supposed to take it as fact and not something that's shown to us. And then the most cringy exchange of the novel takes place between the two of them. Quote, if we get out of this, will you be my girl? Naturally, she says. Now let's get out of it. Uh, yeah, that's like some stupid, like... Indiana Jones. Yeah, because... Yeah. Uh, well, Indiana Jones rules, but... <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm no, just... no, yeah, it's it's stupid in, like, pulp adventure stories of the 1930s. Yes. Ah, you're going to be my girl? Like, it's... Yeah, it's very stupid. I will say that I don't... I don't think Egg is wrong, but I do think that, like, there's something like the puppy love when you're 15, you're like, this is everything I've ever wanted. And then when you're 30s or whatever hero is, you're just like... I, I would be more attracted to her mind. It, it makes sense logically that it's less sexual and more well-rounded, but also creepy and gross. Yeah, I, I think I, her, everything that she's written about that sex scene, I think is really well, well-worded, better better than, I mean, we we spoke about it very briefly, but it's better than any, any articulation that I could have had about it. All in all, Egg all says... In all. While I can appreciate that this novel was groundbreaking at the time, I wouldn't have been able to get myself to finish it if it weren't for the podcast. Yeah, Jesus, me neither. I almost quit. I mean, I did, I did, I didn't almost quit, but I the the last like two chapters, it's like there's not that much space left in the book, and I'm like putting the book down, checking Instagram, getting up, going to the fridge. Normally, like last fifty pages, I'm honed in. I'm just not doing anything but that. Next email from Zachary Rosenberg, Snow Crash Thoughts. Hey, Bobby and Joey, this is Zach of Egg and Zach Fame, a fame I did not know was a thing until this email. Yeah, but well, yeah. Full disclosure, I actually haven't finished Snow Crash yet. Well, invalidates the email. My e-reader says I'm 80% through, but I figured I'd still share some thoughts. For sure. Overall, I've been really enjoying the book. I like the matter-of-fact sort of descriptions, and I think it's a fun ride through an interesting world. Aside from the story, there are some pieces of the world that really caught my attention. There's a lot the author gets right about software, about coding, hacking, and the culture surrounding it. It's pretty amazing that with all the popularity of sci-fi, the work and attitudes of programmers are so poorly represented. Just little elements, notes on the storage of binary files. The fact that by default in the metaverse, you can move through most things unless collision boxes are calculated. That the fear of every programmer is to be managed to be a manager and not write any code. Or the experience of Hero writing some tools using snippets of code he's written before for other work because that's how hackers do it. 
it's great some real insight into the life of a computer nerd i think yeah that's I, so so i i think that's all really a good point too and is like, that stuff you picked up on or no not not really but i think like i mean well maybe a little bit I, uh, I, I would say not those things. I, I, I wouldn't personally know those things specifically are mm-hmm. true. But, I mean, reading it, you definitely feel that Neil Stevenson is not faking it. Like, he feels like a guy that really does know what he's talking about. And that always reads a lot better and more true than, you know, someone who's just like makes up a bunch of shit, which I'm sure I'm sure there are tons of sci-fi books with computers and stuff where it's just like, that's not how it's like at all. And I know that because there are tons of books about teaching that or books that take place on college campus. And I'm just like, that's not how that is right at all. And these are things that like, I could not articulate the way Zach does, but Uh I picked up on. And that's why I think I liked it more than you. But it's also the same kind of thing where like, I wish that I didn't like when we were watching Ozark, and Jason Bateman sends a text from his phone that's an iPhone, it's a blue bubble, and his daughter gets it and she's on an Android. I'm like, very clear. The basic core tenant of, like, so many, like, dumb jokes yeah. is just like, uh-huh. oh, I only want to text people with blue bubbles. And, like, she clearly has some kind of Android. Who gives a shit? Because I don't care. I don't like him. iPhone or die, baby. But it's just like, how do you get that wrong? And, but like, no one notices that. But in my brain, I'm like, what else are they getting wrong? Right? So. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that is... Um... You know, when when you're so focused on something, and I imagine, like, I'm imagining that this is a way that Zach would feel in 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 this novel. If you're fo- if you're focused on something because it's within your wheelhouse, and you know that something is is wrong, even if other stuff in the text is is completely wrong, like people can, for example, have, uh, you know horns growing out of the middle of their sternums like it's like that doesn't bother me but what bothers me that is that he said this wrong thing about coding yeah it, it completely invalidates like, get, get, the rest yeah of it. getting yeah. details like that wrong completely terminates suspension of disbelief what's wild is that like you can be right 99 percent of the time and if you say one thing wrong at the wrong time it's like what are you doing like you have to be which is why like i think that's i think i don't i'm not in it the way zach is but it yeah. feels like all of that or at least mo- like an overall majority of that holds up I had a I had a really funny thing in my uh, when I was writing my um, dissertation for grad school, uh, my thesis, not dissertation, where I was uh, you know I was writing a novel and <laughs> there was this scene where uh, it was like an assistant to uh, the dean of a college was like acting in a certain way and because I was like in an academic setting, a bunch of people knew that she was acting in the incorrect way and they were like. Don't make her, like, you can just have her work in a science lab or something. It doesn't have to be this setting because you're getting this wrong. Just have her work in a science lab. And I was like, interesting note. What do you know about working in a science lab? You're just suggesting a thing that you don't know about because it wouldn't bother you if I got it wrong about that thing. Right. It's like when I watch The Karate Kid and I'm just like, this tournament is such bullshit. Yeah. It's not, karate tournaments are not remotely like that. The All Valleys tournament with like two teams competing or whatever, right? Teenagers bare knuckle boxing? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. Zach goes, there are a couple of elements of American culture, which in my view, the author does a great job of extrapolating out. Sci-fi is not a subtle genre. This guy sounds like a real nerd. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I agree. Take (laughs) Take that, Zach. But, like, in a way that, like, I'm like, yeah, preach. Also, he sends a PS, which is very funny. In, in a way that you're also a nerd. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you're not. I'm I'm not. But the work of pulling an existing thread in the current world and taking to the extreme helps me think about the possible directions we're heading. 
The two main themes are interrelated in the book. Suburbanization, suburbanization, I said that right, mm-hmm. and segregation. And a particular strain of techno-libertarianism, which you talked about earlier, which is maybe more popular today than ever. So, I love cities. Boy loves trains and cities. Yeah. We, Egg and I, live in an urban area close to a subway stop. We mostly walk or take transit in our day-to-day lives. I'm a huge public transit nerd. His words, not mine. Sure. The description of the built environment which shapes daily life in Snow Crash is essentially my personal nightmare, as we... As far as we see, cities and really public spaces in general don't exist. I did like at the end where they're like flying over. She's like, "Oh, this is what California looks like." Well, they're also so. So I'll say I'll say this. I uh, I'm imagining this is true for for Zach. Um, the book takes place in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a fucking nightmare right. for the stuff that Zach is talking about. Like there is no. Uh, like upzoning or anything like that. Like Los Angeles is like a flat, like the buildings are all, mm-hmm. and it's sprawling and public transportation is horrific. And that's why you have these unbelievable traffic jams right. that like don't ever get better. They only get worse because you only have more and more people buying cars because public transportation is so bad and everyone needs to drive 45 minutes to get to work because because everything is so sprawling nothing is is like densely compacted the way that cities should be anyway yeah so so it's it, i think neil stevenson is talking about the dystopian uh elements of los angeles that have only gotten more dystopic since since this book came out Do you know where he lived when he wrote this because it feels like i don't know i don't know i don't know you could either be like oh he was in la or like he's never been to la in a day in his life and like both of those make he's probably never been to compton almost certainly <laughs> The creation of the burb claves feels like a direct extrapolation of the growth of American-style gated communities along with our penchant for privatization. And they, why yeah. are they so well-spoken? This couple annoys me how, how <laughs> smart they are. Which, by the way, have been accelerating in number since the 90s. The impact of gated communities on local governments, services, and public life is a current topic of discussion in urbanist circles. There's no way to walk around and no public transit to speak of. And Hero's first job as the pizza delivery driver feels like a surface-level suburban teenage boy's dream, ripping around your pizza delivery supercar with no rules. King of the road. As a kid growing up in the suburbs where having a car was the only possible way to get around, it would have been close to mine. This is all contrasted sharply, he says, with the metaverse. The only real city, the only place where you can walk and meet other people... The only public transport system we know of is the Metaverse monorail. The Metaverse is public life. It's a technical solution to a modern problem. Solve the desire for public life while keeping in place the ultimate segregation of Burbclave suburbia. I think I think Zach is, like, in real time, uh, uh, increasing my appreciation of the book. I think the book, right now. I think yeah. if you, I know you kind of hate tech in general. I think the more tech you are, the more this is, like, good. Mm-hmm. The metaverse is a technical stand and substitution for a societal problem. There's a pervasive belief in techno-libertarian circles that all problems can be solved by some new, privately developed, non-governmental solution. A non-public solution. Snowcrash really shows this off without taking too much without talking too much about it. And it really rings true for me. And almost every time this tends toward a solution that avoids us having to broadly build a better society. Probably. The most pervasive techno-libertarian solution in the U.S. is actually the automobile, one that we fully culturally embraced and designed our landscapes around over the past 50-plus years, to the point that in many places it's actually impossible to go anywhere unless you're in an automobile. Los Angeles, Los Angeles. Yeah, Los Angeles is the... Or 
basically anywhere that's not New York or Boston. When, when I, did, I didn't have a car in Los Angeles, and I was walking four miles to and from work every day, and it was like... Terrible. Yeah. This is a privatized tech solution that has major negative impacts on cities, traffic injuries, pollution, property damage, etc. It prevents you from having to confront any of the societal problems you'd face in public transit, which might drive you to push resist political changes. This is also a major point in snow crash. There are a lot of techno solutions being propounded today that are in the same vein. I mean, besides, of course, the actual metaverse itself, Facebook literally changing its name to Meta with the explicit mission to, quote, build the metaverse. If it were written today, you could bet crypto and DAOs would be a major cultural norms. Yeah, for sure. Crypto actually fits directly into the book. It's a techno-libertarian solution for a lack of public trust in government and a lack of trust in the existing financial system. Or Elon's, maybe today's ultimate techno-libertarian, implementation of transit, the Vegas loop. You know about the Hyperloop? Yeah. Which is a hilariously inefficient, quote, transit system consisting of a bunch of chauffeured Teslas in a tunnel. Plenty of ideas out there. For me... Those two major themes felt really surprisingly fresh given the world we live in. I'm happy to say that, at least in the circles I'm a part of, there's a lot of pushback on those techno-libertarian ideas. But it's not a far-off idea that they might have become, or could still become, the dominant zeitgeist. And we'd end up much closer to the world of Snow Crash than we already are. Sorry for the hastily written email. The fuck? <laughs> I can't wait to listen. Zach. It's like, like way, way more uh, articulate specifically about the books than, than, than I am. But I think it's I think it's like that's what happens when you get someone who knows specific the specific content of the book really well. well I as could, opposed to like someone like me who's freestyling about shit that I have no idea about. I could have done about maybe three quarters of that uh -huh. in a similarly eloquent sure. way. Uh -huh. I intentionally didn't because I knew you wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So I'm glad that I do that. give a shit. I, it's a, no. It's a, that's I. I think, but that... I think I, I feared it would have been like the librarian where I'm just explaining <laughs> Web three, and you're like, uh huh. Well, no, but I. I mean, you know, I uh, earlier expressed my um, dismay over over this idea of the hacking uh, community or whatever, et cetera. It's something that I don't really know that much about being so libertarian bent and um, the, the, the ways in which that I uh, said, I, I, I was unclear on, on whether Neil Stevenson was being critical of mm -hmm. this, of this libertarian side. I think Zach cleared some of that up for me, which is, is sort of important, right? Yeah. Like it, it feels after, after reading Zach's email, or having Zach's email read to me, you're welcome. Um, I I feel uh, safer in in the 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 angle of approach that I feel like Neil Stevenson was taking taken to uh, comment on on these issues. So I think that's pretty important. Um, and uh, you know, a good reason to bring in a voice that's not uh, the voice of a uh, English teacher to, to something like this. Like <laughs> it's good to have an engineer on board, fellas. Zach sends another email, P.S. Written so quickly because I need to get back to practicing my sword skills by playing Beat Saber VR on my MetaQuest 2 VR headset. Nerd! Nerd! Beat Saber's great, though. Sure it is. I'm sure, yeah. I gotta get back to playing Dr. Mario. Beat Saber's like uh, Fruit Ninja, but good. It's like Fruit Ninja and... Sorry, Meat Saber? Beat Saber. Oh, okay. It's like, a, it's like, a, it's like Rock Band and Fruit Ninja had a baby. Uh, okay, I don't... Yeah, sure. Do you think about casting for this? I told you that, like, for bigger novels, I'm just going to Google what other people think because I can't. It, it's too much work. Uh, yeah, for me I, to thought, do. I thought I uh, thought Rosa Salazar for YT, even though she's way too old. Rosa Salazar is like 35 or something like that. The thing that I read said Catherine Newton from No clue who that is. She was in that movie Freaky with Vince Vaughn. Oh yeah, okay. 
But I just picture, I'm like, yeah, that, that works. It's just like any kind of young, again, like 18 to 20 year old, probably, theoretically. Uh, right? And then I thought maybe for uh, Hero, I thought maybe Corey Hawkins. He plays Dr. Dragon straight out of Compton? Or is that not him? He's in In the Heights. And he's, he's Dr. Dragon straight and, out of and, Compton, and, yes. And, and he's in, um, he's in Joel, Joel Cohen's Macbeth. He's in Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. He's Benny in the Heights. Oh yeah, he is. He's, he's Kwame. Uh, Kwame. He, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's in Kong Skull Island. He's in The Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah, but he's Dray and Straight. Yeah, he's great. The thing that I saw was uh, Donald Glover, and you said also Lakeith Stanfield could work. Yeah, it would be good because sure. he's described as like half black, half Asian, and then maybe like uh, like uh, I don't I don't. Maybe like Jason Momoa or something as Raven, because you have to have someone that's like enormous, and then uh, it's hard to uh, you know you want to cast a native, right? Alaskan indigenous, uh, and Jason Momoa is not that, but he's indigenous in, in, in some in some way. The the thing that I saw was that for Uncle Enzo they had Stallone, and I'm like, all right, that's I was funny. <laughs> I was just picturing James Gandolfini. Obviously, he's dead, but like it just feels like yeah. you needed an old Italian. Yeah, well, dude. Paul, Paul Servino would have been great. Also, rest in peace. Yeah. We're on Twitter at LotteryPod, Lottery at CageClub.me, Patreon.com slash LotteryPod. Keep reading. Today's crime is bootlegging Bart Simpson t-shirts. 